2: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, January 10th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, severe weather is anticipated across the Magnolia State. This weekend, we have the details about what to expect. Then, new state officers are sworn in, and the House passes its first bill of the session. And the 2020 Senate race is set. We hear from the candidates. Plus, more on prison reform. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. An outbreak of severe weather is expected Saturday morning as an intense line of severe thunderstorms moves through the area. We welcome meteorologist Thomas Winesett with the National Weather Service in Jackson to tell us more. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning. When, when is this all going to start and where is it going to start?
3: So we're expecting a uh, line of intense severe thunderstorms to move into western portions of Mississippi. Uh, They're going to initiate over Texas and Louisiana later today and then push east uh, towards the Magnolia State. Uh, And that arrival time, we're looking at western portions of the states around 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And they were expecting that line to move across the entire state through the morning hours tomorrow, kind of through the I-55 corridor in central Mississippi between uh, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., and then pushing into eastern Mississippi between 8 a.m. and
2: noon. It's always a concern to have the possibility of tornadoes during the overnight hours. Is that what we're looking at, a possibility or probability of tornadoes?
3: Yes, tornadoes will be possible within this uh, line of storms. We are expecting the potential for uh, strong tornadoes as well.
2: There is a wind advisory going into effect this evening and continuing until tomorrow night for much of the state. Tell us about that and what we can expect.
3: So for the wind advisory, we're expecting sustained winds of 20 to 30 miles per hour with gusts up to 40 miles an hour. And that's going to start uh, this afternoon and go through uh, the overnight hours into tomorrow morning. And these are going to be just gusty winds ahead of the line of storms before the storms even get here.
2: What about straight-line winds? Is that a concern?
3: Yes, we are concerned about straight-line winds within the actual line of thunderstorms. Uh, Wind gusts of 70 to 80 miles per hour will be possible.
2: Which is or can be just as dangerous as a tornado, straight-line winds, can they do equally the same kind of damage as a tornado?
3: Yes, that's correct. Uh, you know, A weak EF0 tornado can produce the same amount of damage as an 80-mile-per-hour straight-line wind. Uh, so we do want to make sure that everyone does take the threat seriously overnight.
2: Also, we're hearing large hail. Define large hail. How large are we talking?
3: So for, for this event, we're expecting hail mostly around quarter size. Uh, there could be a few isolated instances of uh, slightly larger, maybe towards golf ball size, but that's going to be pretty isolated.
2: The We've been hearing about the storm system all week long. Is this a bigger system or a more dang- potentially more dangerous system than what we normally see?
3: Uh, for this time of year in January, it's not unusual to have severe weather. Um, The unusual part about this one is just kind of how big of an area of coverage there is that we're expecting the line of storms to push through um, and just that widespread nature of the uh, damaging winds.
2: You mentioned the uh, 55 corridor as being sort of uh, the, the central part of this storm. Is all of Mississippi under the gun with this?
3: Correct. The uh, whole state is uh, expecting severe weather with this. Yes.
2: But it's central Mississippi that is likely to see the most kind of uh, potential damage or, or strength of storms?
3: Uh, so right now, the uh, worst of the severe weather looks to be kind of along and north of I-20. So um, kind of that I-55 corridor, if you go north of Jackson um, and north of I-20, that area uh, is currently where we're expecting the worst of the damaging
2: winds. And one last element. What about rain? Are we talking about heavy rainfall?
3: There will be heavy rain as the storms move through. Um, we're looking at a quick one to three inches of heavy rain. Um, and since this is going to be falling in a short period of time, and kind of given how wet the soils already are, there could be some uh, localized uh, flash flooding issues.
2: Okay, so we need to keep, uh, keep apprised of what the National Weather Service is telling us at any given moment with this.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Thomas Weinsett is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you. Seven of Mississippi's eight statewide office holders have been officially sworn in. Among them Lynn Fitch, the first woman to serve as Attorney General.
0: I Lynn Fitch
4: do solemnly swear.
0: Do solemnly swear
4: that I will faithfully support
0: that I will faithfully support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Mississippi and obey the laws thereof that I am not disqualified from holding the office of Attorney General of the State of Mississippi. That I will faithfully discharge the duties of the office about to enter.
4: So help me God.
0: So help me God.
4: Congratulations.
2: Secretary of State Michael Watson and Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman were also among the seven Republicans beginning their terms in state office yesterday. The Mississippi House has voted to pay the full cost for this year's teacher pay raise. The $1,500 per person raise was approved during the 2019 session. But officials later discovered a bureaucratic error that resulted in too few teachers being counted as the state budget was written. The error meant that too little money was initially set aside for the budget year that started July 1st. Representative Richard Bennett from Harrison County led the floor debate
1: uh it's a commitment that we already made to the teachers in the school districts and it's something that we have to honor and the act just appropriates from general funds 18 million four hundred forty six thousand five hundred and seventy eight dollars and this is to fully fund the 2020 pay increase for teachers and teachers assistants again and that and that is that affects uh 40,991 uh, positions, teachers and teachers' aides, that we have in the districts. And all we're doing is going back to fully fund them. MDE has the money to uh, the teachers have been, been being paid, and they have enough to cover this until April. So this is a deficit that uh, we're going to pass here today and honor our commitment from last year.
2: House Bill 1 will cover the shortfall of more than $18 million. The measure now moves to the Senate where it is expected to pass. Coming up, the 2020 Senate race is set. We hear from the candidates. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: The votes have been cast and Tate Reeves has been elected to govern the state of Mississippi for the next four years. Mississippi Public Broadcasting will be live at the Capitol Building, providing complete coverage of the inauguration of our 65th governor. Don't miss the inauguration of Governor Tate Reeves, January 14th at 10 a.m. Live on MPB Television, MPB Think Radio, and mpbonline.org.
3: What are the top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio? Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number 1 way to listen to MPB Think Radio? The MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store. What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. When Mississippians head to the polls in November, they'll see some familiar names on the ballot. Republican Cindy Hyde-Smith will once again face Democrat challenger Mike Espy for a place in the U.S. Senate. Hyde-Smith filed for re-election last week. During her filing ceremony, she touted the appointment of conservative judges among the list of accomplishments she's most proud of during her abbreviated term.
0: You know, There's so much that goes on, and we see this on TV, and you think, are they getting anything done? I assure you, confirming these judges for a lifetime appointment, conservative judges (coughs) that will be there for the next, not just the next generation, but the generation after that, and the opportunity we have to do that has been awesome. It has not been time wasted whatsoever. We have gotten things done. We know what the circus has been on the other side and uh you know we're ready to face that challenge as well but i want you to know that we've really gotten a lot of things done because i've been around for a while i served in the state senate with mike cheney i came in as a freshman with this guy we all came in and uh you know we thought we had seen some battles we hadn't seen anything we had not seen anything like kavanaugh when we got there but guys We got through that, and Wright won. The president and I have this conversation so many times. He said, Cindy, you went through the fire. And I said, look who's talking. Look at the fire you've been through. But you know what we have to do? We've got to march through that fire. We cannot let the liberals win. We can't do that. And I am so glad that God gave me the determination, that personality. For some reason, confrontation just really doesn't bother me a lot. And, you know, you can say anything. I told the president, we can say there's more than one way to skin a cat. Oh, my God, they abuse animals too. You cannot let that deter you. They're going to say what they want to say, and we are certainly embarking today on a really exciting campaign. I think you can tell I'm ready for this campaign. I think you can tell I am ready for these impeachment hearings. We are ready to go do what the people of this state elected me to go do.
2: When asked about impeachment, the Republican told MPB's Desiree Fraser, fairness is what is needed most.
0: We will consider everything. This is, um, I mean, we're anxious to get there. We're going to treat him fairly. And so far, what the House had shown us, there was not an impeachable offense there. A lot of people have different opinions on that. But we will go in there, and we will do our jobs, and I will be the senator that Mississippi elected me to go be in that chamber during those hearings. But I can assure you, I will sit there and be fair. Even as a Republican, can you be neutral in this? Absolutely. I'm an American, too. And I'm there to represent Mississippi. And the bottom line, the thing we need the most is fairness. And he has not gotten that as far as going through the process he went through on the House side. He will get it on the Senate side. Do you want witnesses at this trial? Would you be supportive of witnesses? We have a lot to determine when we get there and look at everything.
2: Attorney Mike Espy filed his election papers this week. He tells our MPB's Kobe Vance that his campaign learned a lot from the last race and that his team is ready to narrow the gap.
4: Well, uh, the gap is narrow already. Uh, When the polls closed on November 27th, 2018, we were sitting at about uh, 46.37 percent of the statewide vote. And that's the most votes any Democrat had ever received in Mississippi City race in, in 20 years. And over the summer, we've been doing enough work uh, with analysis and with view of data uh, to know where uh, we can pick up votes. And those votes exist all over Mississippi. So we're going to close the gap by doing uh, a, a lot more efficient work uh, with better people and uh, more revenue, hopefully, and a candidate that's, that's not stuck in an office but is out there with the folks talking about the issues that they really care about.
3: You know, generally it's harder to take down an incumbent. Do you have a strategy for that?
4: Well, the strategy for that is to be Mike Espy and to be uh, the person that talks about the issues that that people care about. Of course, she's an incumbent. There's just a few more months than she had originally, Uh, so now she's got a voting record. And so we will be reviewing her voting record uh, and uh, making sure that things that she voted for that are not in the best interest of Mississippi, the people will know about it.
3: And then uh, going on to another topic is impeachment. It's going to the Senate soon. Um, what are your reactions to the impeachment so far and where it
4: will go? Well, President Trump has been impeached, and now uh, the articles of impeachment, I hope, will be sent soon to the United States Senate. Uh, Speaker Pelosi has not yet done that, but I think in due course, and I think in short order, uh, she's going to see fit to tender those articles over to the U.S. Senate for a trial. And then he comes – whether it's a full and fair trial, a full and fair trial where the senators, like any trial, can question witnesses under oath who are direct fact witnesses and who will be there to tell the truth. And a full and fair trial to me means having uh, documents that everyone can read that are very transparent. And that has not been the case heretofore. The other thing I think about that trial, to make it full and fair and not a ruse, all senators must stand and will stand to take a new oath for impartial justice. I mean, I read the oath, and it says, I swear to render impartial justice. That means that there can't be any prejudgments. And that's why we know Sen. Smith may have already violated that oath because she said already that when the papers come over, it'll be a quick trial, and she's going to protect the president. Well, if the evidence shows the president didn't do what the article suggested he did then fine but you have to be an impartial juror to sit there to to read the documents to hear the testimony of witnesses one or though and then you make a judgment and not before and that's what i would do if i a senator
3: and then uh, lastly i want to talk with you a little bit about a press release that um hyde smith did release talking about your um your madison county board attorney position yeah
4: could you talk a little bit about that uh the first thing is uh they seem to suggest that uh, I can't do two things at the same time. You know, this is a client of mine. I'm not a full-time employee of, of Madison County. I'm a, Madison County a client of mine. I'm Madison County's lawyer, as I was four years ago. And uh, I know as a lawyer, you, have, you represent your clients. And in this case, I'm helping my clients represent their constituents. And so I'm going to do that, whether they're Republican or a Democrat, if they ask me a question of the law. The law is black and white. The law, the, the law is the law. So I'm just going to give them my best advice according to the law. And I can do that while I'm running for uh, the U.S. Senate seat at the same time. I can do it. In fact, I, I've done both. I've run once before for Senate, and I've already served once before as Madison County Council. I'm proud that they selected me. I know I can do that job. To me, it is not a political job. It's a professional job. I'm a lawyer, and they are my client.
2: Mike Espy served as Secretary of Agriculture in the Clinton administration. Coming up, a local policy advocate addresses prism reform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, Autocorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This
2: is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Mississippi's prison system is transferring 375 inmates to a private prison after recent eruptions of violence. The state corrections commissioner says the prison system doesn't have enough guards to safely keep the inmates in state custody. The state signed a contract Wednesday with private prison operator Core Civic of Nashville. The inmates are being shifted for at least 90 days from the Mississippi State Penitentiary at Parchment, where three people died and others were injured in violence last week. Jay Robertson is with Empower Mississippi. He tells our Michael Guidry the first step to reforming the system is addressing sentencing.
1: Well, it's clear that Mississippi prisons are in crisis right now. And the problems that led to this incident can boil down to a couple of really simple things. We have too many people in prison and we cannot adequately afford to house, supervise, and feed the number of people we have incarcerated right now. And it's not because Mississippi has more crime than other places. It's because our laws impose often sentences that are too long for low-level nonviolent offenses.
5: How does our sentencing for some of these crimes compare to other states in the region?
1: Sure. So Mississippi can impose uh, felony sentences, which can result in several years in prison for the lowest level drug offenses, drug possession. And we've seen other conservative states, other southern states move away from that and look at treating those issues as misdemeanors so that people can remain in the community and actually get treatment for underlying issues. We have a three strikes law that can impose up to a life sentence on someone for something as simple as marijuana possession. And the issues with these really long sentences are that oftentimes if people's criminal behavior comes as a result of an addiction, that addiction often goes unaddressed in our prison system. And so when they come out, they're often no better than when they went in and sometimes worse. And so we'd love to see the state prioritize solutions that better address those underlying issues of addiction and mental health.
5: These drug offenses carry disproportionately long sentences. The prison system is not the place to address people with those problems. So, what's the alternative? How do we address people that have these drug problems if prison's not the, the way to do it?
1: Drug courts are one form of diversion that have been really successful in Mississippi at trying to provide people with treatment in the community. And there are many successful drug courts in Mississippi, but they are pretty small when you consider the number of people who actually get arrested for drug possession. They also exclude people who have more than one conviction in their past. And as you look at addiction, we realize that addiction is habitual, and many people continue to relapse and need a second or a third chance. And so we'd love to see those programs expanded to serve more people. We'd also love to see more diversion and treatment programs in the community so that we could try and address some of these issues before people wind up in the criminal justice system. This is not a completely new thing. Lots of other states have pioneered these approaches. And so – We want to encourage Mississippi lawmakers to look at these issues as things that have been proven to work in other states. And so we can borrow from what's worked, take the best practices for these sorts of diversion programs and implement them here so that we can safely reduce the prison population by trying to provide better outcomes that are actually cheaper in the community for people who struggle with addiction.
5: We've addressed one issue that we've identified, which is the the overpopulation of prisons. Another thing that's come up as we've kind of dissected what's happening are the large number of vacancies in our correctional facilities and the state of our correctional facilities. What solutions do you foresee in those regards?
1: We can look at what's happening in Alabama right now to provide some guidance on this situation. Alabama has been under a federal investigation due to unconstitutional conditions in their prison system. And... As part of that, they're they're having to spend millions of dollars to build new prisons and to try and raise pay for correctional officers, but they're seeing that even those measures are not sufficient. So while while those are conversations we need to have, raising pay for correctional officers is just one part of the equation. Uh, the the population that they have to supervise is the other side of that equation. Um, w- one of the statistics that was cited in Alabama's system was that they had a inmate-to-guard ratio of 11 to 1 in one of the facilities, and that was much higher than federal standards. In some Mississippi facilities right now, we have ratios of 25 to 1. Unless our leadership takes action soon to try and help staff the Department of Corrections adequately and safely reduce the number of people they're required to supervise, we're going to be looking at some of the same issues.
5: It's the beginning of a new legislative term, new governor, lieutenant governor. Is this a, is this an issue that we can at least turn the tide on during that window?
1: There's a big opportunity right now for our leadership to take bold action that would help turn the tide on, on this problem. I think that it is a top priority for leadership, as it should be, and there are clear policy solutions that – can be implemented in this term that would start to reduce the population because that's realistically the only way we're going to start to turn the tide on this problem. I would add, when you look at the people who were entering our prison system last year, nearly half of them are on parole or probation or have some sort of sentence in the community. There's a lot of work that we could do to try and encourage success once people leave our prison system to ensure that they don't go back. That's another way we can try to address the the population explosion we're seeing in Mississippi prisons and trying to remove barriers to work that exist for people once they come out. Because if someone can't find a job to support themselves, they'll often return to crime to try and support their families and wind up reincarcerated. So that's another way that policymakers can work to try and address the population crisis.
5: Jay Robertson with Empower Mississippi. Thank you so much. Thank you.